shall we begin? Hey everyone, and welcome to Legion Quest. This is your premiere podcast where we talk about the FX show Legion. My name is Zachary Jenkins, and with me as always is Mr. Matt Sibley. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm almost done with this term. I'm going to make it. Yeah, it's really exciting. I'm, I've, I've got just a couple weeks till a long Christmas vacation because I decided not to use any of my time off during the rest of the year for some reason. For me, it's like see Star Wars at midnight, have a lecture, seminar, middle of the day, and then maybe go home like the next day. So it's sort of packed. You know, yeah. people stopped having to go to the movies at midnight and like four years ago. We, there was that like never changed me. Which really? is, yeah, so I, f- I feel like now it's just the way that it works out. It's because ours are at midnight and yours are at seven. Like no one's really like ahead of anyone. I guess, like, yeah. You know, I, I would be ha- I would be happier if they were doing seven o'clock screenings. Yeah, I mean, we got we got stuck with that. Uh, I I didn't realize it until uh, when was it when Age of Ultron came out. Mm. I woke up or we didn't wake up, but it's like okay, let's we got a group. We went to a midnight showing, and then we were like, wait, there's other people. Wait, this movie started at seven. <laughs> we all have work tomorrow. <laughs> we're adults. Why are we doing this? It's like. The place is a short walk from here, so it's not so bad while I'm at home, but any time when I'm at home, it would be much nicer for a sense. That's that's not awful. My company is actually renting out an entire theater on Thursday and Friday, or like one one screen of it Mm. at one showing for uh, Star Wars, so I'm pumped about that. I had to spend an hour trying to book, so... Yeah, no, I just got an email yesterday. I was like, and I want two tickets. Here we go. It's going to be, okay, free for me, $5 for my wife. Perfect. So, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a Star Wars deal. Yeah. But, I have to go you know, seats. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. this is Legion Quest. If you haven't figured it out, we are not a Star Wars podcast for some reason. We are but a we podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this episode may have changed that opinion on my part. <laughs> <laughs> but uh we are in fact a podcast about legion on fx we're not going to talk about that because this is the off season though there are a few quick notes that we want to hit first the second weirdest news of tuesday yeah but that's yeah. second by a long yeah, yeah it's, it's second by default we, yeah. we have no time to get into that bit but no, if you if you do want to get into that bit, and I'm just going to plug right here, uh, we do talk about it a bit on the upcoming episode of Battle of the Atom that should go up on Monday the fourth. It's an interview with uh, Leah Williams, who is the writer of X Men Gold Annual Number One, and I'm really excited. It was a good interview. Mm-hmm. So Leah's great. So yeah. So about a week ago, we got a first look of. Uh, Saeed Tagmiali, whose name I probably mispronounced, as Amal Farouk, the Shadow King. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we got a cool photo of him, all kind of yellowy and with giant claw hands. and like, all, Yeah, all beaten up. Uh, and then Tuesday, we got confirmation that, oh, he's just leaving the show in the <laughs> middle of the season. And there's no like, but he's been replaced with blank yet. And 
Yeah. yeah. And there's like no other detail. We don't know whether this means like they can have to go back and reshoot stuff or whether this is somehow part of the plan or. So the, the good part about this is that not just in the canon of the comics, but in the show already, they have made a point to say, hey, he can kind of look different. Like <laughs> the Shadow King can be different people. So I have confidence that the writers can write their way around this pretty seamlessly. Yeah, it's not like, a, oh, Dan Stevens is leaving. Yeah, that would be tougher to do. But yeah, I was excited for his role, just because I've liked him in the couple of things I've seen him in. Yeah. But we'll just have to see how that goes. Yeah, we'll just ever-presently in the off-season. Ever-presently in the never-ending off-season. So, to fill to fill our time in this off-season, there's actually been a lot of comic book-related shows come out since August, September time. Yeah, right? yeah. Certainly. You've had you've had The Gifted, you've had Runaways, you've had The Punisher. Defenders counts as well. Defenders, I guess, did come out in that time mm. frame. Uh, you've had all the CW shows, and you had Inhumans. <laughs> Which is the one we decided to talk about for some godforsaken reason. Because the mutants are being kill- killed off and being replaced by all the humans. That's we got the corporate orders and we were like, okay. I can neither confirm nor deny that my Marvel contacts told me I wasn't allowed to talk about X Men anymore, and now I am just all in humans all the time. That's why I'm just the biggest secret warriors advocate out there trying to get everyone to read all those good in humans books. That being said, Secret Warriors is actually really, yeah. really good. Rosenberg's great. It's mostly an X-Men book. <laughs> like, right now it's magic fighting Mr. Sinister and Dark Beast, hmm. but with an Inhumans cast. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, so the Inhumans TV show. This, this has been the most critically unacclaimed Marvel production. Yeah. So... Like, Marvel Studios... <laughs> Oof. So back in April, it would have been Iron Fist, which I think became the first rotten property. Yeah, because like Iron Fist was bad. And then Inhumans got less than Iron Fist. Oh. Iron Fist was like a very stark drop-off from everything else. Yeah, so Inhumans is weird. Now, there's a lot of rumors and snipping online, and frankly, a lot of it is conjuncture. Hmm. There is very little actual confirmed things. The most we've gotten is uh, rumors from Bleeding Cool, which honestly have been the centerpiece of everything spinning out. And while I have complicated feelings for that, for Bleeding Cool, I think in this particular case, it may have been a situation of we're reporting literally everything we're hearing. Yeah, I believe that's just what they Mm -hmm. do. They, they have very little filter. So a lot of – there haven't been – look, there hasn't been a lot of good sound look into is this really happening. No. A lot of this stuff is people saying, well, the Inhumans are getting this huge push because of X, Y, and Z, and everyone hates X-Men and all this stuff. And that's – I don't want to get no. into that. However, I do have a very interesting theory about how Inhumans came to be. Would you like to hear it, Matt? I could give it a listen. So, I was at uh, 
Comics Crossroads Columbus back in September, which is uh, a comics festival they have in Columbus, Ohio. And the featured guests were uh, Matt Fraction, Chip Zdarsky, and Kelly Sue DeCano. And on a, uh, they had a panel uh, that Fraction and Zdarsky did about sex criminals. Mm. This is going somewhere, I promise okay. you. Uh, so, Sex Criminals is a very popular image book, creator-owned by Fraction and Zdarsky. And it was really the push that uh, Matt Fraction left Marvel because that book was so successful. Yeah. So, before it got so successful, Matt Fraction was supposed to write Inhumans. Or I guess the book was called Inhuman at the time. Yeah, but, it was like a big push out uh, Infinity. Yeah, they were. It was a big push. They actually did like a mini bannered event called Inhumanity that Fraction at least wrote the first mm-hmm. issue for. I think he may have like a scripting or a plotting credit on the second part of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't remember because Inhumanity wasn't very good. Uh, <laughs> but he was he was talking about how he was sitting in the Marvel Summit. He had pitched like a three-year Inhuman story. Big, sprawling, epic thing. Mm. And at the same time, Sex Criminals number two was recently released and pulled off of Comixology in the iTunes store because of concerns that it was breaking Apple's policies. Oh, yeah. I forgot that was even a thing. Wow. Right. So that happened. And he he's explaining that he's jumping between this Marvel thing for this pitch that he's not super passionate about, but it's like he thinks it's a good story that he could mm-hmm. tell well. And he's getting all this talks about how sex criminals is, you know, turning into this free speech issue and all this stuff from huge news outlets who couldn't care less about the humans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a couple weeks later, Fraction was no longer writing that book and really no longer with Marvel. I think his Hawkeye stuff got finished. Yeah, up. that was just like a, that was about the last it's happening when Aja can get to it all. So this is going into my main overarching plot. Mm-hmm. So that happens. Inhumans was poised in position to be a big Marvel property. I don't think to replace anything, just to have, hey, let's have another franchise built mm-hmm. up. But they lost their big gun on that because Fraction in, what, 2014, 13 it was? 13. Yeah. Fraction was a huge name in comics. He was never hotter. I mean, between Sex Criminals and Hawkeye. Yeah, coming off off X-Men stuff, coming off Iron Man as well. Like, the momentum was there. Yeah, he was a a massive name. And they were going to build this whole thing around him, and they were, you know, they wanted this to eventually turn into a film, and it was initially announced as a film. Hmm. So that happens. Uh, the book gets launched with uh, Charles Soule, who I like Charles Soule. I don't like his Inhuman stuff. Mm-hmm. I I just I don't think it was a great book. And sales showed that. I mean, even if you don't want to talk sales numbers because we have vague ideas of that, the reaction to those books showed it, especially within the community. It not necessarily hated. The resentment. But no one... Yeah. Yeah, there was resentment, and no one was excited yeah. about him. So you get that. You see, if I'm the Marvel people, I see, okay, if comics can be, in part, a test ground for new things, we see no one really caring about mm. this. We've seen one inhuman story in the last 
60 years that anyone's even had excitement about. True. And, you know, internal politics at Marvel split that, you know, split up. Eventually, the TV side still gets run under, you know, the Marvel Comics group and Ike Perlmutter mm-hmm. and the uh, Marvel Films group splits up and Kevin Feige runs that actually through the standard Disney film yeah. side. And then Inhumans just, well, it's getting pushed. We're pushing it. It was obviously someone in the Marvel Comics side's baby. They're a great idea. And then we get this weird team up with IMAX and they're trying to make the script out of nothing and they hire Scott Buck all because Matt Fraction made a funny jizz joke and that's what we got. We get the Inhuman series. I I can believe that. I want to believe it because it's like the weirdest kind of inside baseball internal office politics, which sounds incredibly funny just to hear. Well, with what we've learned about Marvel in the last six months, I don't know how I, like it's is more believable every True. day. <laughs> so let, let's talk about this show. Matt, how far did you get into the show before you realized that watching it for this podcast was a mistake? Okay, so I tried my best to make elaborate notes. The fourth line of oh, so, you know, first episodes, the you know, beginning one, second one joined together in the same thing. My fourth note was I hate myself for suggesting this. And that was before the sign language yep. even came up, so pretty soon. Okay, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to have to talk about that. Uh, for me, uh, so I watched it with my <laughs> wife the week it came out. I watched the very first episode. We yeah. were sat, sitting up in bed. Like, she likes Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We watched Defenders, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage. We've watched several Marvel mo- or TV series together. She turns to me five minutes in and said, this is horrible, right? (laughs) She is not someone who's connected with the overarching themes and overarching fan community reaction. So I do trust her opinion as a unbiased third party Mm -hmm. of not tainted by the internet and fan hate. She just looks at this looks horrible. The acting is horrible. I don't get this. Yeah. Okay. What it's worth, Matthew, I know I know we've talked. You watched all eight episodes. Yeah, that I did, and I'm still processing it. <laughs> a, full, a full work day of your life spent doing mm-hmm. this. Uh, okay, I didn't I didn't necessarily do that. I'm going to be real honest. Though I don't think I lost anything. Okay. Did you just read TV class? I watched. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. So I watched episode number one, Behold the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. And then I watched episode number eight, and finally, Black Bolt. <laughs> and I'm going to be real honest, and we'll talk about this. I don't think I missed anything. No. I think I get it. <laughs> I think this was a three-episode series. Yeah. And they stuck freaking, like, correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe there's this big, intricate thing, but they stuck six episodes in the middle here, and I'm pretty sure they did not need them. No, that's basically it. My my notes became very disparate as uh, time went on. So we should explain. Matt, for our listeners who don't know about this train wreck we're describing, what is the Inhumans? Like, pitch it. Okay, so what if a fantastical Jack Kirby creation, which debuted in an issue of Fantastic Four, these people who live on the moon and have powers and a giant dog, what if they went to Hawaii? 
that, that's it. Yeah. Oh yeah, and in brackets, and what if we immobilize the dog at every opportunity we got? Because why have a giant two thousand pound ball of fun when you can have Ansel Mount looking slightly strained all the time? Yeah. Uh, it's it's cr- this this show is. I don't know why they forced it yeah. to happen because from the first episode, it's obvious they can't really do this. <laughs> but not the way they want. Well, like one of the thing that best shows that is the fact that Medusa's hair gets shaved immediately, yeah. and it looked bad beforehand. <laughs> also, uh, as a, like a related thing to Justice League, in the same way that they spent so much money trying to get rid of Cavill's mustache, they spent at least a hundred thousand dollars trying to fix Medusa's wig. And bear in mind, like, she, yeah, she loses work. it early. Can you imagine what would, like, how much they would have tried to spend if she somehow went through all eight episodes with that slightly weird like, Kate Mara reject wig? <laughs> like, CGI, CGI hair is notoriously difficult. Mm. They talk about, I know, uh, when Pixar's Brave yeah. came out, what, six years ago at this point, one of the big technological things they said is, we freaking nailed the hair. Mm. Like, they were very excited about the technology they developed to do that because it's hard to do. And you have a bit more forgiveness in animation because things can be hyper-realistic and they don't have to be, you know, perfect match with the real world that we all see, feel, and experience every day. Mm -hmm. But then you want to have on a television budget a character whose power is, I got weird hair. (laughs) I got some weird (laughs) hair. And not only that, you want to handle it in a very short production cycle because i went back and checked this just to be sure is that the 14th of november in 2016 was when they announced the show was happening on the 6th of december scott buck was announced and i think by the end of june was when they'd finished filming and bearing in mind iron fist also came out in april so it's a matter of like was he working on both shows at the same time because i don't think iron fist was ahead iron fist was on like a very rushed schedule as well which is weird because I know that was announced in twenty. Well, that's the thing is like I, I swear I, you can probably go back to Bleeding Cool at like, let's say September twenty fifteen, and you'll find things of where Richard heard from a guy in a bar that they were turning Iron Fist into a Netflix movie because they couldn't find anyone who would be able to get it done in that time. And then enter Scott Park, who does stuff very quickly and very cheaply. And then they yeah. were like, uh, "Would you also like to take over this?" giant it's like look we got a a train wreck your reputation can't be worse would you like some money because people were semi-optimistic before iron fist and then that's when like the full screw scott buck train came out because it was also then like here's an inhumans promotional photo and here's pictures of them filming in hawaii and here's the trailer at comic-con or whatever and everyone started to realize like yeah there's no hope for this either and then then it got to the uh television critics association they have a meeting like twice yearly so they saw the first two episodes before august no one thought of it positively no one could really seem to to identify stuff like what karnak's powers were jeff loeb was on stage being like i don't think you should judge this because it's not finished poor jeff loeb oh i actually do feel bad for him on this one because you know he's smart enough to say this is horrible i'm just stuck (laughs) in this situation but like that that is in august the show was meant to be, or the first episodes were meant to be in IMAX cinemas in like the first week, first two weeks of September. Dates hadn't even been announced. The dates come out, 
very small amounts of showings. It's like $25 a ticket. It gets well, it gets preempted by it I, taking the IMAX like they they all realize like how big of a mistake this was and we're sort of like scrambling to push it under the rock. Well, even even like ABC Agents of Shield wasn't supposed to come back till like February. <laughs> and it's back tonight. They bumped that show up a whole two months and said, "No, we need we need Agents of Shield now." And Agents of Shield isn't well known to be like a ratings juggernaut. No, I like that, the show. That, everyone was worrying but, it had the death slot this year. <laughs> not. I think they've realized you can do a lot worse than Agents of Shield. <laughs> yeah, this is bad. So. I, let's let's talk about the cast okay. a little bit because I think that'll inform some of the other discussions. Uh, our our lead our lead role our our main man is Asan Mount as Black Bolt, who is the human humans king. He's the Midnight King, uh, who has the power that a whisper can destroy a mountain. Yeah, he's really cool in the yeah. comics. Like I do like Black Bolt in the comics. I think he's a when done well, he's a very powerful figure that does not have to use his powers to make you afraid. Like uh, the uh, have have you read the Paul Jenkins yes. J. Lee uh, Inhumans, which this is loosely yeah. based on. I say loosely because it's very mm. loose. Black Bolt doesn't do anything with his power. No, but he's specifically very threatening. He's a he's an imposing figure. He says, look, I'm a loaded gun. Do not test yeah, me. It's like... So he can't talk. But here, Asan Mount, he invents his own version of sign language. <laughs> and I understand that American Sign Language is an incredibly powerful tool and allows a ton of people to communicate mm. very well. And I've seen it used in like TV and film in a way that's not detract, detracting from everything else. The way it's used here, this fake sign language, is Asan Mount sits there with just his one expression, makes some hand motions that take too long, and then someone explains exactly what he said. Yeah, you know when sitcoms make jokes about, like, if there's, like, a football game or something and people are, like, making hand movements of maneuvers and things and then it gets really extended, it's just that. It's... Like, and yeah. I say this as someone who like loves Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch and even the weird hand movements that she has to do for that. But this is just, like it's something else. It's distracting. <laughs> so he's the Inhuman King. His wife is Medusa, played by Serena Swan, mm. who loses all of her hair. Yeah, she's like the two episodes I watched, and I I'm sure they're that. That middle chunk was all character development. But she's a whole lot of nothing. Mm. She has like a weird bit. Well, like the, the fact that she has her hair removed and she's like shaved off is like a weird power move as well. Like it's an uncomfortable decision made. Yep. And I like the way it the way it's filmed is not wholly voyeuristic but it's all like you feel uncomfortable not because of the actions taken but because of the way it all looks and dynamics which i can understand that from a filmmaking perspective but 
I think you've got to be a much better show to pull that yeah, off. Yeah, it's, it's not the thing that you do straight away. Exactly. You don't you don't know what to care about Medusa because all you've seen her do is use her hair as arms a couple of times. <laughs> it's like, why is this the big threat you're worried about? <laughs> so, I guess Kang is Karnak, or yeah, Karnak's a tough character in general. Mm. Like, Warren Ellis tried to make him a Warren Ellis character, and it only half worked, though he did get a very good redesign. Yeah, and that was, like, sustainable for six issues. And then Ellis stopped. Well, that's just Warren Ellis on Marvel. Yeah, but, like, they didn't even bother to try and, like, with Moonlight, where it was like, and here comes Brian Wood. This was like, well, just stop it. Yeah. Karnak, he has the power to see the fault in all things. Which is not well explained. My wife was like, is he traveling in time? What what What's going on with him? I don't know. And, like, it's weird because the sequences where he does work stuff out and get kind of like loops back verge on being impressive. But the way it, there's, like you're, a, you're the there's like a real stillness to it all and like there's no... It doesn't feel kinetic as it starts to build and he works out the solution through failure and everything. Exactly. And to me, just from, you know, Karnak and everything I've read, Catalong plays him very laid back <laughs> and, like, not... He's he's not the super tense, I'm better than everyone else guy who's just... You know, he's not trying right. to be a dick. He just <laughs> doesn't have time for other people because he knows how things <laughs> are going to work out. Right. Considering you didn't see the middle six episodes, the most important thing you missed about Karnak is that he stump, he takes a fall stumbles across some pot dealers and does sleep with one of them at some point. And then it all goes catastrophically wrong. And eventually meets them. Why is this the show they wanted to make? <laughs> how did... How... How... With... <laughs> with... With the power of Marvel, the largest brain in the world next to Star Wars at this point... <laughs> How? How is this what they came back to and said, no, this is what we want to produce? That's insane. <laughs> it, like, it's, all, it's all like, a, well, we've got the jungle for three weeks, so let's just film in nondescript locations. And... Next you're going to say like they spent several episodes teaching one of the Inhumans how to surf. Well, no, like some time was spent on that. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't all coalesce uh, like a surfing championship where he ended up winning thanks to the support of the humans or whatever. Wait, oh, tell me that didn't happen. happen. Or at least okay. if it has, I've forgotten. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, here's the thing. There's only there's other characters on this show, but I think the only one that like matters is Maximus. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's... Uh, I don't. He has a very. Can can you British his name for me, please? Because oh, there's a lot of weird consonants in there and weird, weird, weird syllables that me and my dirty American accent uh, just hmm. I I can't. Let me just look at it to make sure. Because I. He's God, uh, it's Welsh. I. This is good. Uh, Ivan. No, Iwan Rion. I don't know. You like. I, 
you are much closer to Wales than I I'm, am, Matt. You should they don't, they don't come this far out of Wales. <laughs> <laughs> I like know one Welsh person really well, and we've only ever talked via Facebook Messenger. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's the guy who played Ramsey in Game yeah, of Thrones. Which is how everyone referred to him, because it's easier than saying I won Rion. <laughs> so, can I tell you my problem with Maximus the Mad in this show? Okay. I only watched... Okay, I again, I only watched the bookend episodes. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why he was the villain. Okay, that's... Because his... <laughs> We're in the right spot. From those two episodes. Mm-hmm. From those two episodes... His entire motivation was, one, I want to be king, which I don't think ambition in and of itself makes you evil. Mm-hmm. His other ambition, his other like thing was, hey, uh, we have this really messed up caste system, guys. <laughs> like, we have this really messed up system where we put people in underground mines, and everyone's cool with it, and we've got a large population here on our moon base that's just like slave class maybe maybe these people like maybe we should do something a little different and from what i can infer he did some more villainous things in the middle chunk that made him evil i think his that part of his motivation even if it was an ends to a mean or means to an end probably not all that bad and like and the rest of the they don't even touch it (laughs) like IBX, which is an X-Men and Inhuman story that I absolutely despise the last issue of. Even them, they said right at the very end, and it's shoehorned in, and it's kind of just a development that they, I think, had to put in because it's been 50 plus years of this is a bad idea. They're like, guys, our entire social structure is really bad. We're just going to ride it out. We're going to get rid of the caste system that the Inhumans have because it's horrible. Yeah. It... <laughs> I like mine was maximus dot 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 is bad question mark because he's so he like he's in the right and then they force him to do the evil stuff like saving medusa's head and everything to kind of be like oh no he like he's evil he does these horrible things and it's like it's all it's the fact that the two pieces don't connect like him wanting to get rid of this weird system good him wanting the throne it, after you get the guillotines out, what do you think is going to happen once you sit on that throne? They're not going to be like, well, time to retire these. Turns out they're not much fun. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Again, middle chunk's uh, not there. I I don't understand in it. In that middle chunk, there is an attempted uprising against Maximus. And there's okay. also one point where two people are talking in secret in what I think is the throne room. But it's sort of like not hushed tones. Then Maximus walks in, and I'm fairly certain they're still talking at the same time. So on opposite, opposite ends of the room, it's still like you could just like not show any of this happening in the same space, and it would be okay. Like the big evil act in the finale is his hubris of, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm going to do this as a plot to, you know, like as leverage against you guys, so that you don't screw up me being king." And it goes bad, like he just overestimated mm. some things. And it does threaten the entire inhuman population, but that felt so weird and forced, like he just made a mistake. A big mistake. <laughs> One that could destroy a moon base. <laughs> but I so much about this show I don't understand. What I will say at this point is that it made me 
appreciate Thor Ragnarok slightly more, in that I still think that kind of fumbles similar themes, but it's certainly not as misguided as this. Oh, uh, yeah. By the way, people, spoilers for Thor Ragnarok. This has the same freaking ending as yeah, Thor Ragnarok. There's, there's a lot of, like, colonial stuff going on in both of them, but, like, at least Thor doesn't paint the people who are anti-colonial as the villain. It, I just, I, oh my gosh. Everything about this, like, I was sitting there at the end of the last episode, and it is, the, Adelan, the inhuman moon base, is pretty much destroyed. Mm. And it's okay because Adelaide isn't a city. It's a people. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and my wife is, she's half paying attention. She is uh, wrapping Christmas presents. Mm -hmm. And she's like, this was a movie like weeks ago, mm. right? It's this freaking show. Also, the fact that that's the final episode is also like they're setting up what would happen in the season two it's like you guys are so optimistic it's the uh it's the amazing spider-man 2 <laughs> problem it's like you guys this isn't gonna go the way you think What's that like? What? i don't i don't get this i i really don't the fact that like i have to assume it's because of the very small time frame that at no point was anyone able to be like have we thought this through entirely? And then they've been able to have that conversation. It's been a, have we thought this through entirely? It's like, no, but that's not why we're doing it. We have five months till deadline. Even then, like what I'm trying to figure out, when was the Inhumans film film announced? I think 2014. That was their big press conference where they were like, here's phase three, but before they knew they were getting Spider-Man back for sure. Right. <laughs> Which, look, Spider-Man's Spider-Man's fairly popular. He is quite a big guy. Yeah. But this freaking thing, like, they just... They had so long to get the overarching plot right. Mm. Like, just to get the pitch of this right. Well, like, everyone... And they they always said Game of Thrones it. meets Marvel, didn't they? Like, that was the thing that became off-towed and, like, oh, it's going to be about the royal family and so cool because there's going to be this intrigue and backstabbing and scheming and everything. So like, I, but there's no, no scheming. I'm, I, like, I'm fairly certain that, just like based on the way that the Captain Marvel's timeline has worked out as well, is that no one was really working on Inhumans for a long time, and the furthest they got was like, if Feige's got it all plotted out on like a giant whiteboard in his office, it's Black Bolt v Maximus in a way. That and then maybe, maybe that became like the base of the first two episodes, and then they were oh by the way you've got a film in Hawaii as well, so do what you can for another five episodes. Yeah. Oh, man. But like I don't get this freaking It's thing. a complete failure. Can I tell you the, the the tiny part that annoyed me the most? Uh sure. Eldrick. Okay. Eldrick is the inhuman doorway. He was created by Jonathan Hickman in his Fantastic Four mm. run. He went through Terra Genesis and he just became a door like a very large door in the wall that takes you where you need to go. Mm. Not necessarily where you want, but where you need to go, which is a cool high concept. They make him a goofy-ass Zordon face in the wall that talks in this ridiculous accent 
It's just like, I will take you where you want, guys. <laughs> he's a cartoon character in this thing. And he's supposed to be like a Jack Kirby-ass creation. Like, he's Hickman saying, okay, what didn't Kirby do? Okay, let's add this to this weird thing. He's supposed to be a guy who got so screwed by the Terra Genesis that he became a wall. <laughs> and instead, he's just this weird thing that they use to move the plot forward. Mm. Uh, it, it, it upset me when I saw that. I was <laughs> very frustrated. I'm, I'm genuinely looking through my notes, and like it's the small... Like, in the cold open for the show when Triton's running from the guys. One, it's badly directed and you can't tell where anyone's going, but then when Triton falls in the water, right. it's like this big landscape shot and there's the sea down below. It's sort of a distant, and then it's like as if they just ask someone to fall off a short pier. Yeah. They had 20 days to film the first two episodes, which is roughly the same time for TV in general, I should say. Right. But you know, they're filming with IMAX cameras as well. It should look good. You know, the work, the production design should yeah. be there to make it look expensive. It looks yeah. cheap. It looks like a 2006 sci-fi Robert show. Robert Corman could have done better. Like, <sighs> it's also the fact that, you know, I've just realized that the episodes they showed in cinema were shorter than the ones that aired on TV as well. They cut out all of the stuff with, like, the scientist, I think. Because, okay. of, like, you know, wanted it to seem semi-contained, but... They played Paint It Black at one point, and may have ruined that song forever. I don't know, like, I, I'm stuck figuring out how many bad decisions had to continue being made by competent people to make this happen. Mm. For I know people will yell and complain, whatever. Jeff Loeb's a competent dude. Yeah. Jeff Loeb's a guy who's written a lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff, but a lot of good stuff. I would wager he's a guy. I would wager that the reason Marvel TV is having kind of issues in general is because there's so many shows ongoing. Oh yeah, like, there's I was I was thinking the other day, there's too many there's too many shows for Someone who's even a bit invested in yeah. the Marvel Universe to keep mm -hmm. up with. Especially this, this fall. Yeah. Just this fall. I mean, Punisher, yeah. Inhumans, Gifted, Runaways. Mm -hmm. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s coming back. That's in from September to December. That's five shows. Mm -hmm. think I still haven't seen the past the first episode of Punisher. Not because I disliked it. Just because... I only have so many friggin' hours in it. Yeah, I, I've only seen one. I don't think I'm going to watch anymore, but that's more because I looked at it and was like, this feels like because everything is going on and in production, like continual production, they sort of just got the familiar elements from Netflix shows and put it in. It's like from, from, from uh, critics, which are smart, I've seen that it's you know a little bit more insightful than I assumed it would be. But it's also like yeah. I, I can't I, go through drab hallways anymore of um like 13 hours and so you amplify that outwards for like a viewer and if they've got to get through the you know they're expected to get through that in like a weekend and then there's ongoing stuff on top of anything like non-comic book they want to watch 
But then, yeah. like, imagine that for the people who are having to oversee all of this. And, like, you know, I, I forget where like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. shoots, but if you've got stuff going on in New York, let's say you maybe got things filming in L.A. as well, or Toronto, and then it's also, like, and there's a five-month excursion to Hawaii, which is our, like, most lu- ludicrous production so far, and I've got to monitor all of this. And on top of that, you have the entire animation yeah. side, which people complain about. They're making shows that kids like, and I can tell you that because my son likes it. <laughs> like, they aren't making it for you, but they still have to oversee all of that stuff. Like, there's too much going on, guys. Let's. I get that this is lucrative, but let's pull back the throttle just a bit. Hmm. Like, this is a show deserving of being on Crackle's streaming service, the home of Joe Dirt 2. Yes. <laughs> is there is there more that we could say about it? I mean, is there anything that's going to be I'll better than that? Let's just to see which bits broke me the most. In episode three, Lockjaw is referred to as a giant cow dog. Bulldog! It's the pun. His entire design is a pun, and you can't get that right. There's a bit where Medusa just walks up to an ATM and was like, I need money. And I'm like, this is how every rich person probably responds. Oh One point I wrote, imagine a show as well thought out as that inhuman with knife nails from S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> There's a guy in a mask called Mortis. He deserves to be shot into space. He sounds like a Buffy character. A lot. He's really snarky. Oh my gosh. There's a guy, uh, bl- like, because Black Bolt ends up in prison... And he uh, turns out that someone he interacts with is an Inhuman. That Inhuman basically can warm up his hands. So congratulations to him for when it gets cold in Hawaii. And at one point, I th- like Lockjaw gets put out of uh, action because he gets hit by a car or something. I forget. He just ends up in a barn for a while. And then there's like a weird. How does there's a weird love triangle with uh, Crystal and someone she meets and that person's ex-girlfriend. Uh, everyone is a non-human. There's a bit where Medusa like has to leave a hotel in episode 5 or something and eventually comes back, but the blocking is just awful. At one point, so, uh, you know how everyone started referring to Riverdale as Hot Archie Who Fucks? Yeah, yeah wrote, which is what yeah, we all at want. At one point I wrote Pot, comma, Karnak Who Fucks. Oh my gosh. Um, this is the most inane thing. This is... <laughs> I This is what this is what's going to break me. Yeah. It's this show I knew I had to get through it in like the space of 24 hours otherwise I'd never finish. Oh yeah, I I took a day break between the first episode and I had an intention to watch the <laughs> second episode. And I was like, nah, Bob's Burgers on reruns. I can catch up on yeah. that. <laughs> it was it was a better use of my time. It was a better use of my time to reorganize my long boxes hmm. than <laughs> to, to watch this show. Oh, just just awful. And if it gets renewed, the world deserves to die. There's no hope for us after that. Oh, this the only good news is that I think this is the final nail in the coffin of anyone trying to 
do stuff with the Inhumans for a while, which is very helpful because I'm tired of hearing about the Inhumans. More more people complaining about the yeah, Inhumans. Yeah, there's no way that... And yes, I get we just spent 45 minutes complaining about the Inhumans. This but... is justified as opposed to like, oh, they exist. <laughs> and that's the issue. Yeah. Uh... So this was bad. Uh, I'm sorry that anyone who watched Inhumans go watch Legion. It's way better. It makes me appreciate also, Legion more. Read Miss Marvel. Read Secret Warriors. Read Royals. Read Black Bolt. Read Black Bolt. Yeah, Bolt. exactly. Like that handles so much better. That the first trade will be out on like the sixth, coincidentally. But if you want something which okay. handles class in a, and prison in a proper way. And also has a good amount of lockjaw, then there's that. Read Christopher Priests and Humans Once and Future Kings. Like all of these books are coming out right now, and they're good. Um God. Just don't spend eight hours watching this. Don't spend two hours watching the most this. I made a mistake and I fasted this episode. The most interesting thing I found about it was there's something in episode seven. I don't even remember what it was. I thought it looked like the castle from Age of Ultron, and tried to work out whether it was. You know it I wasn't. Know. I know you love that <laughs> film. But it was. I looked and it was like, is, did they do all of that stuff on a soundstage and just happen to have that? Like, the, question, no this, the questions this show made me ask were ones which could take my attention away from it, not ones that could deepen my understanding. So that was Inhumans. It was, it was a blight on society, and we are all worse for it existing. <laughs> If you want to hear me talk about things that aren't that, you can go to XavierFiles.com where I talk about different X-Men every week. Uh, this week we I did an article about Archangel, and next week I am writing about Lifeguard and Slipstream, who may be the worst X-Men. They're bad. Oh, hell yeah. That's they're a- bad. They're golden. They're like... They're like, what if Silver Surfer was a bad idea? Hmm. So that's coming up. It's exciting. I'm sorry that I'm so down in the dumps today, but I just had to talk about Inhumans for this, 50 minutes, and I'm so upset about it. This is the most cathartic experience I've had all month. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. Uh, you can also go to uh, twitter.com slash Xavier Files and listen to me talk about x-men and stuff uh you can also go to follow this show at legion quest where we normally talk about legion when it actually airs and dear god please come back to legion anything a a set of production stills a date a 30 second teaser anything which we can overanalyze give me something (laughs) we'll do that and uh uh everything on everything on this show is supported by patreon.com slash xavier files you can go Toss in money if you want to or not. It's kind of up to you. If you could leave a rating or a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever you use to consume your podcasts, that would also be helpful. Uh, beyond that, you can also find me at Battle of the Atom, which well, that's not it. Like it's at not the Twitter version of at, just at is in the general word we use every single day to describe a location of a thing. Uh, it's my other podcast that I do with Adam Reck, where we take three X-Men stories and we rank them on our big old list from the best to worst X-Men stories of all time. Uh, we just did an interview, I think the week this is going up, with uh, Leah Williams. 
which is I think yeah, I mentioned earlier yeah. in this episode. I might not have. I don't know. It's it's a fun time. We've had a lot of really good stuff <laughs> recently, so go check that out. Uh, Matt, where can people find you online? Of Newsrama's best shot review team this week, I reviewed Mystic U, which is a book starring Zatanna, which I didn't really like, but I think my review is offers enough comparison against other stuff where you'll be able to work out whether you want to read it. Uh, also, in that column, there's stuff of uh, Kurt Busiek's new Creature of the Night, not from me, something about Batman Annual 2, and something about the Dark Hawk one-shot. We have a lot of stuff. Perhaps all roundups. There's something which is hopefully going to be dropping re- review-related this weekend, but I don't know for certain, so I don't want to say what it is. But keep your eyes peeled, and if it okay. shows up, you should realize. Uh, other than that, Matt underscore Sibley on Twitter, where you can find me. You know, talking comics, talking movies, part of this part of the year is about catching up on everything I missed. And also, you know, the place where you can see that I'm the president of UK branch of Elizabeth Olsen's fan club. I'm only half joking. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Also, uh, if anyone has a therapist they'd like to recommend that I can meet over Zencaster, that'd be great because this has been an experience. And you should also check out the new podcast, which started oh. earlier this week, called The Young Ones, which is about teen superhero teens, and it's very good. Yeah, yeah, check out that. They're on Twitter at Young Ones Cast. Uh, they're friends of the show. Go, go see what they're up to. It's good. It'll be better than watching Inhumans. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> they talk about the first three issues of Young Avengers, and that is a lot better than this. Oh, so much better. Oh, so that was Inhumans. This has been Legion Quest. Sorry we all had to go through this. I think humanity is worse because this exists. We'll be back at some point. We'll see you next I month. Guess next year at that point. With God. something. <laughs> next year at that point. Jeez. Well, happy 2017, Matt. God, why did we choose to go out on this? David, David. David. Shall we begin?